Welcome to the Quest for Authentic Manhood. Today's date is February the 28th, 2008. And this is week 20 of the Quest for Authentic Manhood. And this week, Ben Pritchett is concluding the two-part series on husbands and wives. We hope you enjoy the study, and we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless. White sheet of paper that looks kind of like this. I know it may be hard to see with the lighting. It says Acuna Mission Team, February 2008. Uh, these 16 men right here are guys that we have uh, on a mission trip in Acuna right now. And that paper is there for for you to you to pray over those men as they as they uh, do this and to uh, and to, to take that with you and to continue to pray for them as they continue to do their mission trip in Acuna. Uh, Eric Reed, uh, let's give Eric a round of applause. I was the only one that did it on church Sunday evening. Um, <laughs> Eric's going to come on up here and just tell you a little bit more about about this mission trip because it doesn't just uh, it's not just about this particular time. This is something that should be carried forward into the future. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, we are, I guess, on the heart of a, a couple of guys that have been leading out in, in missions for men has put this area of Acuna on our hearts, and it's an area that is within a half day's drive of here, and so it has become a very I think a strategic place where as we are taking Spanish classes at our church, we're, you know, close enough that we can actually go down, do some hard physical manual labor, as well as use the church network that's already there to begin to minister to the people there. They have very real physical needs. This is our second trip, and uh, our heart is that probably four times a year that we will be sending groups of men, and what we're asking is God to raise up men who have that area on their heart that are willing to labor uh, for the gospel, both the the physical side of that, but also you know to be able to share Christ with the community down there, and you know part of being an authentic man is actually stepping out to be Christ, not just to sit back and say, "Well, come to where we are," but actually to go out and to engage. And so, those men that are listed down there, some of them it's their second time, and some of them it's their first. But if y'all would also pray over them, that God would clearly raise up two or three of those men to lead future trips. Um, I know that God is always looking for men that will step up and labor, and so that's our heart, that's our prayer for that. I've been sharing a little bit about what's going on in my life personally uh, over the course of the past 20 weeks, about what's going on with uh, with my mother-in-law who's been hospitalized for almost two years now. Uh, I just wanted to update you guys a little bit on what's going on right now because uh, we've got some big life changes on the way in the Herzog household. Um, because of uh, a, a recent new diagnosis of her condition and, and insurance um, parameters and qualifications, she's basically being forced out of the hospital uh, before she should go out of the hospital. And as a result, she's having, we're having to uh, bring her into our house on a ventilator. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's a huge kind of scary thing that's, that's standing before us um, that will require 24-7 monitoring and support. And there's not really the funds for us to hire someone out to be able to do that. So we're getting trained on how to care for her on a ventilator. Um, and it's uh, just kind of an overwhelming thing to think about. And I let anxiety get the best of me a couple of days ago, but I'm learning how to uh, let the Lord be my trust and to take joy uh, in, in the midst of this trial because I know that the testing of my faith and, and persevering through that is going to build my faith and, and it'll make us mature, lacking in nothing. And so uh, just be praying for my wife and me as, uh, as we kind of wrestle through this. Um, the, the, the nightmare scenario for me is that we can't find some way to, to find someone to help out with what's going on because in that case one of us always has to be in the house and that means we can't go to church together we can't go to small groups together we can't go on dates together we're basically one of us has to be there at all times and that's kind of an overwhelming thing to think about but we're praying for help we know that God will provide and uh, we're just looking forward to, to responding to the work that he set before us and adjusting our lives so 
just ask you to pray for that one. And if you know of someone that's been in a similar situation or you think you can help in some way, please, I'll be more than happy to, uh, to talk to you a little bit later on because it's kind of a, a crazy ordeal for us right now, uh, especially with the baby coming on the way in August. A lot of awkward family dynamics and boundaries and whatnot, so there's a lot, lot going on there on many different levels. So I just wanted to share that with you guys to ask for your prayer because I know you'll be faithful to do that. Um, let's finish strong these next few weeks. We're almost there. Uh, we're almost all authentic men, if you aren't already, so uh, getting excited about that. Uh, ben is going to close out our two-part series on a man and his wife. This is part two, and so let's pray for Ben in our time, and let's get going. Father God, thank you, Lord, for being the Lord over our lives, for being the God who loves us more than we can even love ourselves, and for being the God who created the heavens and the earth and who put on skin to come and die for us to conquer sin and death in our lives. Lord, thank you for the example that you have set before us of what godly manhood looks like uh, through your word. May we dive deeper into that today, Lord, especially as it pertains to a man and his wife. Uh, for all of us men in here who have wives and those who hope to someday have wives or are currently engaged, God, may you just speak to our hearts about where we are in life right now, about what we need to do to change, to be more like Christ and more like a godly husband of the Bible. Bless Ben's words. Speak through him mightily. And uh, may you help us to just take it all in, Lord, and uh, to overcome the uh, circumstances of this room, that the lighting wouldn't lull anyone to sleep, God, but that our hearts would be on fire for you and that we'd be wide awake. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning again. It's uh, good to be with you. And uh, this is interesting. Uh, so if I seem like uh, we were playing with this earlier, if I seem like I'm under investigation or have the lights on my face, you know, here, and I start to sweat, you guys uh, understand what's going on. Uh, boy, Travis, uh, where'd you go to? We certainly will be praying for you. And, and in, a, in a course such as this, we all need to know that at every stage of life, Believe me, many of you younger guys uh, look ahead and you think of all the life as being all honey and no bees, but it uh, throws some curves every once in a while. And it's through those uh, difficult times that the, the metal's really made. It's through those difficult times that you'll um, stand by each other and your faith has grown. And uh, we'll sure be praying for you guys as you walk through those days. I admire you just immediately for the premise that there's a responsibility there. And we would expect that out of godly men. Well, this is the uh, part two, <clears throat> and we're going to refer back in a little bit to some of the materials that uh, we uh, shared last week. I think it's very interesting. Um, I'm using a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, PC guy using a Mac, so I'll get used to this this stuff. And I see a PC would have had that right up there. No, Eric uh, knows that he he shared with me what the delay is. But isn't that a isn't that a love, lovely couple? Eric uh, taught this last year, and he is so good. And by the way, where'd he go? Hey, hey, the work that you put into this, guys. I don't know if you you appreciate it all together re in reality, but this guy works uh, so much and so hard. And uh, even those of us that come in and have the opportunity to stand up here and help, uh, he he hovers over us like um, uh, almost a mother hen, making sure we've got everything taken care of right to the last minute. I really appreciate it, Eric. I also decided to, yeah, yeah. 
And when you're rolling out of bed to get here, he's here. And uh, he pays a tremendous price. And uh, that's uh, very admirable. And, and yet he can still smile and enjoy his uh, lovely wife. And they have a marriage and a great home and a great testimony of a godly, godly uh, couple. And, um, you know, I think it's something that we we uh, need to keep in perspective as we think about marriage. Uh, Eric also shared this with me, and Eric, I don't, I don't know uh, this movie, but what uh, movie is this? Hey, hey. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. experience similar to that I think um, most of us uh, whether in our date life or after marriage especially uh, have had those times one of the things that uh, uh, Robert Lewis points out so good in this material is that uh, men and women are different in many many ways but this this uh, ability to understand women and speak to women and by the way I was thinking as I was going through the materials and looking at all the lists um, that we're going to talk about today. Let me just say this before I forget it. <clears throat> there is a corresponding lecture and notes and, and talk that needs to be shared with women in this area. And so in, in women's settings, we also make an endeavor to help them to understand how to understand you. Uh, because there is the, it, 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 any language has to have two-way communication. 
So uh, as we go through this, I want you to think about uh, the fact that we're, we're zeroing in primarily on what it takes for a man because that's what this uh, study has been all about. And uh, as we looked at last week, you need to be that leader. I thought this was extremely clever um, in that uh, Robert Lewis had uh, actually gone and found, he said, through the um, uh, university medical systems uh, in Arkansas, these diagrams of what a, a uh, male and female brain uh, it looks like. And I think this will help you to understand what, uh, how we're made up. He says there's that first and uh, important segment, those one, two, three, where there is the uh, segments for the phone calls, the shopping, and the uh, indecision. And then there is the uh, inner irrational thought. Is that showing up? Okay. Ir irrational thoughts there that comes into mind. And then there is the jealousy, jealousy section. And then there is the, um, trying to make sure, Eric, which one's coming up there. It's just that little delay, I think. Uh, the need for commitment hemisphere. Notice how large that is. And then there is just that, that little bitty speck there. That is a sense of decision nuclei. That is a direction, sense of direction nuclei. And then there is that uh, ice cream uh, receptor. You see the ice cream receptor in there. And then there is the chocolate center. Then you have the, uh, uh, what is it, argue, debate lobe down there, pretty big, pretty big right there at the stem. And you see that last little speck, that is the sex particle, the sex particle. Now, just to understand and see the difference in how women and men uh, behave, notice in a man that largest segment right in the middle is for sex. You'll notice that right away, the difference there. Then you'll notice the uh, attention span. Let's see, did I get it in there? No, it's the um, interrupt lobe. I'm sorry. This, uh, this is a little bit smaller than on my uh, PC. Inter interrupt lobe. And then there is the little bitty speck there that is the attention span <laughs> fragment. I thought that was sort of uh, interesting. And then you have the TV mode right through there, and then the math, notice the math is not exceptionally large, then we have the sports lobe in there, the stick shift, now uh, Robert Lewis said himself, he wasn't really sure you can apply that however, and then there is the computer functional uh, lobe right in there, computer function, and then there is the, what is that last one, lame excuse gland right up there in the uh, uh, back up the head there, and the, or front of the head, and then there is the uh, remote control addiction center, and then there is a listening particle, <laughs> and then there is another uh, personal hygiene uh, atom. He said it's not even large enough to be a particle, and finally there is that ask for direction resistance center. I thought those were pretty clever, and I apologize for not being able to see that better uh, and having to delay there. But, you know, it's just that, that kind of difference in us as we are married. Now, now, you'll never see that in those pictures right there. You don't see any of that borne out. Let's go back to our 
key verse that we talked about last week because it is a, a, a key verse that we need to understand and see. 1 Peter 3.7 says it better than perhaps any other passage in one summary statement. You husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way. Remember from last week, as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, critically, uh, several thoughts wrapped into that passage. One is the fact that he points right off to the bat, right in, right in the middle there, the reason this is important, since she is a woman. That little phrase just draws attention biblically to the fact we need to have the understanding, we need to care for this weaker vessel. We are going to be different since she is a woman. And also it points out that uh, she is a fellow heir, someone that's walking along that deserves everything that we have, everything that we are, and everything that we will be. And then it also brings to conclusion so that your prayers may not be hindered. If we cannot... Uh, adhere to this verse if we cannot live and understand this verse not only is he saying we will not understand women and we will not treat them as God designed for us to as men but we're going to have problems not only horizontally but vertically we're going to have trouble between us as men uh, relating and communicating and speaking to God as we ought to now then uh, <clears throat> Another, another key verse, you husbands must be careful of your wives being thoughtful of their needs and honoring them. Remember that you and your wife are partners in receiving God's blessing. And if you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not get ready answers. Again, just the emphasis there of the relationship between vertically and horizontally. Now, we also talked about the three models of marriage last week. I want to recap that quickly here so that we can remember where we're at. We talked about the top-down traditional marriage. This is, um, you see the word Lord there in parentheses because it basically talks about the, the husband is the Lord of the home. The husband is the king. He uh, will indeed, if you follow this model, and we talked about last week that particularly in the 60s and 70s, uh, this was a very uh, traditional model that was taught in the church. And so you might say, well, I'm much younger than that. Yes, but you may have grown up observing that model. And so we tend to grow up in home observing what our parents do. And that's the reason, on the flip side of that point, we as parents need to be so extremely conscious of what we're teaching our children just by the way we live, just by the actions that we have. But uh, the um, benefits, this, this uh, model uh, has a lot of personal benefits aimed primarily at the husband, and there is a winner and a loser in this model, and it is usually the woman who is the loser. Then we talked about the 50-50 identical marriage. The identical marriage is where the um, husband is, um, the, the model is that there is a head of a home, but there is no leader. We're we're equal. We're, we're working towards oneness. Uh, there is lack of um, really having um, 
I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There is that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I got off my notes. Let me get off that. I knew as I was saying that, that doesn't sound right. Identical uh, is where there is a partnership. That's where we begin to work in such a way that um, we want to uh, have e equality, if you will, in the home. And this sounds so right, doesn't it? And especially in our age, it sounds so right. But what happens is, in a 50-50 model, is there is uh, a marriage can be leader-less. And, uh, and as um, Robert Lewis pointed out in the materials that we studied, that you know, anytime things are 50-50, sooner or later, just by the nature of life and the way life grinds out, sooner or later somebody begins to feel in that type of setting, I'm carrying more of this load than you are. And so it builds in a real uh, difficult balance. And then lastly, we talked about, and that's what I started describing, knew it didn't fit 50-50, uh, a biblical marriage where the husband is indeed the head of the home, but not the lord of the home. He's the head of the home for, for the good of the household and the companion relationship. He is not the king where there is responsibility and sacrifices, where there is not equality, but there is a oneness that you grow into, and uh, there is generally a healthy uh, harmony within the home. A husband that's the head of the home is exercising responsible leadership for the good of the of the family unit. That is the three basic models, and you have to look at, those of you that are already married, exactly where you're at in all of that, and you may say, well, I've been in this model or that model for many, many years, but you know, you can adjust and you can, and part of the benefit of growing in the Lord as we grow through life is when we see something that we need to correct our course a little bit, uh, be big enough and man enough to do that. Now, last week, right as we were leaving uh, near the end of the study, we talked about, uh, he introduced the thought that there were some core issues, and then he defined core this way. Core is a small but essential ingredient of every marriage that must not be compromised, neglected, or ignored if a marriage is to succeed overall. It may seem small, but it is absolutely essential. Now, as we look at some of those core issues, let's look at what we, we talked about last week. Three things. One, that there are core roles that God gives a husband and a wife. He diagrams that this way, in that the wife, we said last week, is the helper. The wife is the helper. And, and uh, the husband, we're going to look at that. Here's a, here's a passage of Scripture. An excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, and her husband also. And he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. What a wonderful, wonderful passage in Proverbs. I've heard that shared so many times. Uh, it seems like we draw this one out every Mother's Day and, and that sort of thing, but it is so 
biblically true. And, and when, if you have been blessed in, in having that kind of wife, then uh, you need to let her know that. You need to thank God for her. You notice it says her children bless her and her husband also. And uh, if there's any big disconnect, and we're going to talk about this all through the session this morning, but, you know, men, we have just got to really work on that communication skill with our wives. But uh, go back to the, to the diagram, and the, hus- uh, the wife is the helper. The husband, he said, was the head. For, in, in Ephesians, for the head is the, for the husband, rather, is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. Now, that passage has always resonated in my heart because when you think of the way Christ was the head of the church, he loved it and he gave himself for it. Everything about Jesus' earthly ministry in life when he left heaven and all the glories of sitting at the right hand of the Father to come to earth to suffer, to die on a cross, was so he could help give birth to that church. He loved it. We, he has said the church is his bride. And again, there's a great connection there. So core roles that God has given a husband and a wife. Another issue we talked about was core responses that empower your mate's role. There is nothing more significant in a relationship in any context but especially in the home, when we can empower our mate. You know, I said last week that one of the things that I learned very early and have shared with many, many couples is that when you learn to live your life together as a couple, with you, with each of you devoting yourself to fulfilling and helping the other partner fulfill all that God wants them to be, to fulfill their needs. And so you see that. Now, he diagrams this out, and I want you to really be paying attention to this diagram because it's really, really significant the way he's made this. Now, the husband, there are core needs, that arrow coming across the top, there are core needs the husband needs to uh, give to the wife. And then you see the arrow coming across the bottom we're going to talk about. There are core needs that uh, the wife needs to give to the husband. The first one there for the, for the husband, giving to the wife, is honor and praise. Honor and praise. There is nothing more central and core. A woman wants to know that you love her, that you value her, that you appreciate her, and that uh, her work is not just taken for granted in that marriage. And that is so extremely important to a, uh, to a wife. And men, we need to work on that. Uh, passage of scriptures, you husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel, we talked about it a minute ago, since she is a woman, and grant her honor. Even in the passage of scripture, First uh, Peter 3, 7 that we've been sharing, uh, it's there in, in plain language as a fellow heir. Grant her honor. And uh, her husband, then it says, praises her in the proverb passage. Um, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel, excel them all. Now, that is a critical, critical need. Now, for the wife, it is, the, or rather the man's need from the wife is submission. Now, this is very, very significant and important. This kind of submission is coming along to walk willingly and freely 
uh, under the leadership of the head of the house. One of the things that is so very, very important for a uh, wife or husband, rather, to understand is that this type of submission does not mean that you have someone who is a, a partner who is just a yes-yes person, that everything you say they've got to agree with or they're not submitting. Another one to remember is that submission is not something that's demanded, but in fact it is really something that is, is earned and loved through love. And then like, lastly, it is not something, submission is not, does not mean for a wife to be an enabler to the husband when he is making wrong choices. And rather, she needs to be an empowerer to the husband so that he can make those right choices. It says in the Colossians passage, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now that passage right there deals as is fitting in the Lord, deals with that very issue that every wife needs to be sensitive to what God's will is because God's will always supersedes man's will. And uh, so I've heard through the years and witnessed through the years uh, husbands uh, dragging um, wives into situations or habits or relationships or tasks that are just not a godly way to live. So four responses that empower your mate's role and then core concerns that meet your mate's deepest needs. Now, this is a, a key part that we're going to talk about today, uh, some of the most important material. So as we look at that, we're going to build this and uh, basically talk about four, just four, that doesn't mean that's all of them, but four critical needs that uh, a wife needs to give to her husband under that uh, area of submission, and then what the uh, uh, husband will need to get from his wife. So let's look at those just for a moment. A man is going to need companionship. He needs companionship. Uh, that is being and saying that uh, we long for that. You know, I've, I've noticed through the years in church work how many men uh, need uh, that companionship. Uh, if they lose a spouse, uh, many times that's why you'll see older people remarry sometimes rather quickly and uh, it is not as a younger person might think a physical thing as much as it's the companionship just to walk through life together uh, admiration we men like to know and feel that uh, you know uh, I said a moment ago that a wife likes to hear from a husband I love you I appreciate you I think I forgot to say but it fits here that what a man needs is honey I admire you I think you're doing a good job you're, on, you're, you're taking care of the family, you're taking care of me. It's that admiration. They need su support. They need to know that there is someone there at the holding the fires at the home that's giving us support. Uh, Robert Lewis talks about the fact that uh, uh, amazingly, uh, we may not have focused on this all the time, but when the men are in battle, like in Iraq and that sort of thing, that for every soldier, out there in the middle of the battle, there's seven other soldiers somewhere in the world supporting that effort. And so we need that in the home as well. We need that as men. And then that physical responsiveness. We need to have, as Robert Lewis just said, 
uh, you can say physical responsiveness or you can just say good sex. There needs to be a good sexual relationship. So many times in trying to deal with couples, and I always quickly uh, let them know I'm not a counselor nor the son of a counselor. I can just share with you as a pastor and a fellow uh, pilgrim uh, experiences I've learned. But so many times it's areas of authority in the home, finances, or sexual uh, bad, poor sexual relationships or habits that is a core of uh, marital problems. And so those are the things that uh, we need. But let's look just for a moment uh, at the things that we need to give that, that wife needs from us. Companionship again. But companionship for a woman means that um, we need to just spend some time talking. We need to spend some time loving her. We're going to take these apart. Security. They're going to need security. They're going to need significance. And they also need emotional responsiveness. Emotional responsiveness. Now, how to speak woman. Uh, Robert Lewis, very clever in his materials, and one of the things he is going to help us to do is learn through this a little bit of how to speak to our, our wives and our women. Companionship. Let's talk about that just for a moment. This means that women, for them, companionship means you being there. It means that you are listening when they talk. It means that you talk and share, communicate with one another. It means having just that quality time together. And it even means sometimes it's not talking. It's sometimes just being there together, holding hands and sitting and uh, watching the children play or watching uh, a sunset. You know, it's just that companionship, that oneness is so very important to a woman. And I said a moment ago, one of the things that uh, we, we realize that women, I mean that men, lack in so much is this ability to communicate and to listen. So many times when a wife wants us to talk, and we may, we may think as men that we're involved in the conversation with an occasional grunt or an occasional uh-huh or something like that, and then invariably, I know when I was in that mode, invariably I would get trapped with my wife then calling for some kind of conclusion. Well, what do you think about that? And I am nowhere near where she's talking. I have no idea what she's talking about. That is not companionship and listening and, and uh, communicating. And so uh, I've, I've, been, I've been bad about that. Now, let's, uh, let's look at three things we're going to talk about. Some must-dos, some can-dos, and some things that if you have the courage to do. Must-do. Have a regular date night. Uh... And, and, and talk about your worlds and about hers. Just, just really getting in there and listening again. Uh, we tried to adhere to that very, uh, very much in our lives. And, and uh, Kathy and I have three children. And uh, uh, it is important that with children in the home that you pull aside. But if there's no children in the home, it's important sometimes to just not be in the rut and be in the routine. Make it a special night. Women enjoy feeling special. They enjoy feeling that, that, that special attention. Then 
there is the can-do. Develop a, uh, a uh, common play together. Uh, the couple that plays together stays together. Now, uh, Robert Lewis indicated in, in his materials that he and his wife like to do sports together. And it may be that you like to do movies together. It may be that you like to go boating together. It may be that you like to take a hike together or jog together. Whatever that is, find that common common ground where you can do things together and enjoy that activity. So many times I've heard of couples who are, are pulling apart and, and when you really get down to the nitty-gritty and talk to them about their daily lifestyle, he's going this way and she's going this way, and they have no common ground. They have no common interest. So critically important. <clears throat> and then the courage to do. Whoa, Eric, can I go back? Because I just flew over that. I think I did. Did I get it? Let's see if I can get it back. There we go. Courage to do. Plan a special just-for-you-to getaway. It will build great memories, strengthen your relationship, and encourage romance. I will tell you, when I was, uh, my wife and I have done these occasionally through our years. Uh, at this point, looking back through 38 years, fixing to celebrate, you know, I look at, um, wish we had done more, because some of those now are the, 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 the memories that are so very, very special. I'll never forget uh, something my wife did, and I tried then to reciprocate a few years later, and that was just by planning uh, a, a special weekend, and she came to the office and um, and had everything all taken care of, had the luggage packed and everything, and she just sort of kidnapped me out of the office about mid-afternoon. She had already talked to my boss uh, in the office, uh, so they knew I was not going to be back. And uh, we went off to another nearby city, and she had reserved a hotel room for the weekend, and we celebrated a good weekend together just in fun. And uh, so you can do those things, and men, women love that. I loved that as a man. And uh, so try to do that. Have the courage to plan something special. It can just be a surprise night out at the theater. It can just be something, uh, it doesn't have to be huge. Now, security, very, very important area for women. This is something that so many times we um, <coughs> we overlook, especially, I think, and I, I think in this day and age, it is so easy for men to overlook the need for women uh, or the need that they have for security. And part of the reason it's hard today is because secular society, all the uh, current um, pop culture and the trends of our day is that women are equals and therefore they can go toe-to-toe, -to -toe and they don't need anybody. In fact, uh, many times in our society, uh, they have even been taught through uh, education, public education systems, that uh, because of the equality of men and women, that um, the man may or may not be uh, significant to given that type of security. But one thing that is absolutely clear is that what is uh, true in the workplace is not necessarily true in a marriage. And so, in fact, it's not usually true. Most women that in the workplace may excel, they may absolutely be sharper and brighter and, and uh, more forceful, forceful and directive at work. But when it comes to their marriage, they desire 
innately and deep within them for the husband to take that head role. Why would that be? Because that's the way God wired them. That's the way God wired men and women differently. Um, very, very important uh, statement that uh, we shared here. Whatever a woman says in public about willingness to share the burden of making a living in public, I hear something entirely different in counseling in private. Married women tell me they resent working if their money is an absolute necessity. Even part-time work irritates them if their income has to help pay for basic living expenses. Financial areas is one area that women need that security. And in our current culture, if there is anything that I think Satan has, has so uh, successfully uh, done, it is encouraging wives out of the home at, and, and, and pretty much common, common uh, uh, example today. Now, hear me clearly. I realize we are where we're at in society. If you are not yet married, this is something to look ahead at. If you're married and already into this, I'm not criticizing that. I'm saying it may be something you want to start to correct the course. Maybe however long that takes. But by and large, what the research shows, what everybody has uh, expressed in studies, uh, in fact, uh, I missed the author's name, Eric, but the book His Needs, Her Needs, uh, talked about they interviewed like 20,000 couples, and this came from some of that study, that uh, women basically deep down resent. They may never say that verbally, but it is a truth. Now, I've... Pardon me, I've often uh, advocated to young couples, especially if I'm counseling them in pre-marriage, that uh, if you can do it at all, you ought to stay a one-income one family. Because wh what the trap is, what the trap is, is once you become a two-income family, it's going to be necessity to have that two incomes. Now, I understand many wives today are going to come out and they're going to want that career. They're already trained. They're educated. They've got their areas. So you two have to sit down and discuss this and work at this together to find that place where you can share in life. But this is one of those real dangerous areas. Another thing that I find so many young couples uh, get trapped here is it's because of the needs and expectations that we want to have physical um, things in life, those things that it takes money to buy. And so the quality of living, the standard of living sometimes is up here, but at the cost and expense of our marriage relationship being down here. And so I'm just, I'm just in, at confessing and, and speaking as a person that God has uh, let me see that through the years. That is a very, very important area. Now, uh, George Barna in some of his studies said nine out of ten young men in America today expect their wives will continue to work regardless of any circumstances. And therein lies part of the problem. And that's why we're addressing this with you as, a, as men. Do not expect that. Try to set your sights, even if it means adjusting uh, what you have uh, physically or, 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 you know, uh, things that in life uh, and and try to set that stage 
it's just very important. Let me give you some must-dos along this line. Must-dos. From time to time, tell your wife, I am committed to you for life. Uh, as he says, your wedding anniversary is a good time to put that down and even put it in writing. But she needs to know that you are absolutely committed to her for life. A can-do. Establish financial discipline. And I might add the word together. There's no good if you whip out a budget and come in and say, here it is, you're back to being the king and the Lord. But sit down together and discuss priorities. Discuss the needs. Discuss what that cost of that item may be upon the family. If we continue to, if we each have the hottest, newest cars every year, it is a necessity that you work. But maybe we back that down a little bit. Avoid debt as much as possible. I can I am I cannot begin to tell you how many times over and over again I've counseled with couples who this is an area of tremendous stress upon the home. And of course, once you're into that trap, it necessitates that wife helping to bring some income. Develop a long range security plan for your wife. In other words, Long-range security means have that life insurance policy. She needs to know that you're willing to take care of her and that you have provided for her even if the Lord were to take you off the scene. That a savings plan, something that will help her to know if, if that rainy day comes that you, um, you have made plans for that. Uh, a health plan, making sure especially today we hear so much about it. The media is just soaked up with it. And it is critically important. You heard uh, Travis's testimony there. We live in an age and a day when the, uh, with the government uh, involved in all of this and everything that's at work, health care is a major stress. And so a well-thought-through will. I, again, many men have an aversion to doing a will. I mean, it's like they're afraid uh, if I put it down in writing, she'll off me one day. You know, that's not going to happen. But she needs to know that, that all those details are taken care of. Now, another area, and then the courage to do so, seek to provide financially so that your wife doesn't have to work, especially while raising children. Why? Because God has wired her, made her, her complete role in being is to be your companion, to be your helpmate, to be mother. And so... You need to enable that. And uh, I, I just can't stress it enough, guys, if you really want to take a significant step toward um, making that a, a secure woman. Now, significant. Significant. 90% of our self-concept is built around what others think about us. A woman needs to know that she is significant and important in your life. You how many times have we heard it come out in one way or another? The language may be different, but the message is you don't appreciate me. You do not take uh, uh, put value in the chores that I do all day for you and for our family. Or the uh, way of sometimes expressing it is that you take me for granted. That means you don't appreciate it. You just expect it. It's going to be there. That's taking them for granted. And a woman needs to know that there's significance and that you value her. 
a must-do in this area is regularly tell your wife how much you do value her, what she does for you, and how important she is to you. That is so important. And uh, find some different ways of saying that. Now, you may not be the most creative person in the world, but if you even have to go to a card shop and read cards to get ideas on new language to express, then do it. Don't always buy the card. Just sometimes take it home and write it down. You know, she'd rather have it in your handwriting than printed by Hallmark. She'd much rather have it in your handwriting. So that a must-do is regularly tell her, and uh, in fact, surprise her, a can-do, surprise her with a note of praise or with flowers, or even better, or a special night out. Now, uh, that, uh, that just lets her know that you thank her for all that she's doing. I, w I was thinking about, we just came through Valentine's. Uh, my wife and I, as I've said to you, have been married 38 years. We, we've dated for about five years through high school. So we've been together a long time. But one thing I've tried to do through the years is, a, a Valentine's is a Valentine week for me. And so I start a week ahead with little notes around the house or somewhere where she, when she did work outside the home for a brief spell in our marriage, uh, it might be a note that I slipped in her her um, purse or with her uh, materials that she had to take to work. But uh, with that note, there's a little bitty gift. It may be it starts out just as a little piece, a single uh, piece of her special type of candy that I know she likes. But as it goes through the week, it builds. Now that's just been... That's just a way to take those opportunities and explore them. Have the courage to. Let's talk about that. From time to time, just lavish. Now pay attention to that word. Lavish, and I might add, that lavish uh, gift may take some sacrifice. It may take uh, uh, missing around a golf or not doing something, buying something that you want, stuffing back just a little bit of money to lavish on her with a gift of jewelry, money, or something of that nature. Uh, the costlier, the better. I like that. Women do put a value on that. Okay. Emotional responsiveness. Let's talk about that just for a minute. Because a wife does have that need to know that we're connecting on that emotional level. When a man does not object or argue with a woman's feelings, but instead accepts and confirms their validity and listens with empathy empathy she explores as she explores those feelings a woman feels truly loved so go back to something i said earlier when they're talking they're sharing when maybe she's weeping and you're thinking oh hurry up because i want to get to the ball game or something you stop and listen and listen with your heart and listen with your soul it may not be anything you can do about it but just listening will help her to know that. Now let's look quickly at some, some things we can do. A must-do, regularly tell your wife with a hug, physical touch, that I love you. I love you. Tell her regularly. And you might say, well, I do. Every time, boy, when I'm ready for sex, I always do. That's not, they understand that. They understand if the only time you come and start hugging me and touching me is when you want something. You see what's happened? They understand this is all about you again. Just let them know. Reach down, peck her with a kiss on the uh, forehead. Squeeze her. But just tell her genuinely 
Look her in the eyes and say, I love you. I cannot tell you, and I know we joke about it and you hear all kinds of stories about it. There are so many men that will not use, use those three words with their wife. Can do. Learn to say, so tell me how you're doing. And then listen. And then listen. Don't say, tell me how you're doing, and then click on the TV. Don't say, tell me how you're doing, and then open a book or the newspaper. But look at their face. Be a good listener. It's a very, very important skill to be a good listener. And then she'll know you're connecting. Uh, that is such a good little phrase to get down. So tell me how you're doing. And uh, it can be used in any relationship. It's especially significant in a marriage. Courage to do. Well, on a special occasion, let your wife know you love her with a spoken word or a card. Maybe even write her a poem. Spell out in detail all the things you admire and love about her. Be specific and romantic. Don't paint with big, broad brushes. Those are those four major areas of needs. Now, real quick, let's look at why the side-by-side -side relationship is best. It positions a man and a woman for what they naturally do best. In other words, God, isn't that surprising? God had a plan in this, and he wired us one way, he wired women another way, and he designed it so that we blessed and helped each other. It organizes a man and a woman to complement each other rather than compete with each other. So many times, again, in the competitive uh, society we live in, in the competing roles with incomes and jobs and successes, uh, if you are not careful, uh, you can become in competing with each other, but rather than being organized to work together to help each other support one another. It creates an environment that is best for the healthy development of children. Oh my goodness, how important this is. That we understand, and again, one of those things that just screams at us in today's society is how, how many marriages, couples are so focused on themselves, so focused on their happiness, so focused on their well-being, they are not realizing what they do to children. I tell you what, if there's a, there's a prayer in my heart, it is that, that our homes, and even in the church, one of the things this is so needed, the divorce rate, the, the problems in the home are just as heavy inside the church as it is outside. And why is that? Because if we're not careful, we will listen, we will learn, we will not apply these truths. And so we, we listen and work uh, off the basis of society. And then uh, I already put it up there, it becomes the ideal we can train our children from an early age to embrace, the, uh, to, to touch, and to understand that this is how a home works, and it honors God's Word and is blessed by Him. It honors God's Word. One, one uh, book I read years ago said that in society, every single society from the Roman cultures, the Greeks, and on down through the years, the first major break of the foundation of that society, that culture, was when the home began to break, when the home begins to come apart, because the, the home is the central core of our society. Abraham Lincoln, it prospers 
and advances society as a whole. Now, this is where I was going to share the, the uh, quote by Abraham Lincoln. The strength of a nation lies in the home of its people. And, and Abraham Lincoln understood the thought that I just mentioned, that this is central, not only for your fulfillment, not only for your enjoyment, not only for your completeness, but it is essential for our nation that we have strong homes. Now then, let's uh, break into our groups and uh, do some of the personal answers.